Hello and welcome to The World Ahead with Allianz on Monocle 24. This special documentary series seeks answers to some of the toughest questions confronting the world, whether it's changing demographics and ageing populations, to the trials posed by climate change or mass migration, you'll hear bright analysis and fresh insight from an expert global panel. You'll hear Monocle's editors and special guests discuss everything from urbanisation and education to commerce and technology and how they'll all shape our future. We'll feature extended reports from all around the world, scene setters from key markets and expert roundtables where we'll bid to answer some of those key questions. Today's instalment explores why making things and keeping it simple could be the answer to the planet's greatest challenges. We'll discuss the joys of proper making, the philosophy of simple living and working, and the importance of, well, doing things properly. You'll hear why provenance matters, gain some insights from businesses that show the way, and learn how the best entrepreneurs respond to these challenges. So settle in and enjoy a discussion of some big ideas that might just change your world. You're listening to Monocle 24, and this is The World Ahead. We start this edition of the programme by heading straight out on the road to hear from the front lines about cities, businesses and inspiring individuals who are living simply but undeniably well. The environment hasn't been a headline issue everywhere in Europe over the past three decades. Some countries have had other issues to deal with. Serbia's gone through conflicts, international embargoes and a painful transition to democracy. And just as it was getting back on its feet, the international financial crisis put it back on the canvas again. After all that, an exhortation to live simply risks receiving a wry, raised eyebrow in response. But an organisation called Supernatural has been giving it a go by making it fun. Its annual festival is heavy on music, dance and fine food, but there's a side order of environmental awareness. Supernatural has also co-opted companies and created a park on a waste dump, and it's just opened a stylish cafe bar in Belgrade. Our correspondent, Guy Delaunay, went to meet the people behind the projects. Supernatural predstavlja. My name is Sergeant uh, Sergeant Stankovic and I am environmentalist. The name of the organization that I founded is called Supernatural. We started as a festival that celebrates uh, Mother Earth Day. Thank you so much. Ciao a tutti. The purpose of this festival is that we have to drop the materialistic and industrial culture in favor to something very different, more tailored to the human beings. In 2005, there was an advert of big expo fair in Aichi in Japan uh, with the topic of wisdom of nature. I went there and um, it, was, it was a big awakening for, for myself. The first time I, I realized that there's something uh, like uh, energy efficiency, wind power, solar energy. It gave me a sort of a vision that this is the sort of life I want to live and this is something I want to uh, bring back, uh, this idea, bring back to Serbia. And that's how the idea of a festival uh, uh, started. Uh, I realized that the festival is a great communication tool uh, of young people and if you can organize a festival where everybody comes from the music you can also serve them a message of environment 
and that's uh, how Supernatural Festival was born uh, in 2007. What's interesting is that you're using a festival as the means of getting the message across. Now, I think of a music festival, and I think tens of thousands of people, bad food, terrible toilets, and loads of rubbish to clean up afterwards. How did you make Supernatural about something which was giving a positive message about living simply and living in a way which is conscious of humans' interaction with the environment? The, the first thing we did was that we um, established a, sy- a system called Tickets for Waste. Um, we called on people to bring three cans and three plastic bottles uh, to the festival and recycle, uh, and that was the entrance tickets to the festival. If you don't recycle, you pay five euros to get in. We were uh, surprised that n- more than 95% of people recycled. Uh, it was amazing that uh, people uh, were really receptive. They, uh, they answered to this cause, and this was the, biggest, uh, this was the most massive uh, recycling action in, 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 in the city of Belgrade. Uh, roughly 10,000 people uh, were coming in with, with waste. What about the, the park that you have, Supernatural Park? This is a, one of the other big projects after the festival. In 2012, we were just searching for areas in, 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 uh, in, in Belgrade, and, and we came to Adahuya, which in the 1960s, this was a wonderful island, a really hot biodiversity hotspot. And what happened uh, that in the 1960s, uh, the city of Belgrade decided that to use this island as a waste dump. We came there, we realized this is not something that is good. Uh, so we had the courage to go to the municipality of Palilula and we said we would like to have this waste dump uh, and we would like to transform this waste dump into park. The result is uh, a true park on the Danube with, uh, thir- with 300 newly planted trees, over 2,000 plants, with a classroom for, for kids, a bird-watching tower, a glass house for plant cultivation, uh, a wind generator that gives us power th- uh, for the park. And this park was voted uh, one of the best 25 projects by um, European Development Agency, a- uh, ADEL, and we had this privilege to be in the uh, European Parliament in uh, February 2014 to receive this award as one of the 25 best projects. Supernatural Festival u prirodi povodom dana planete Zemlje predstavlja I'm Tiana Markovic and I work for uh, Supernatural uh, now for three years and uh, I'm uh, involved with um, projects and communications Supernatural 20. April What is the huge uh, issue and on the other side a huge opportunity for us we are Serbia and we, we had a lot of problems and the environment is not uh, on uh, top of their minds, I mean politicians and those people and uh, what is our opportunity here is to actually connect uh, companies and funds that are in companies with uh, really some strategic projects or programs that uh, are need to, to be done here in Serbia. So what are your ideals then? If, you know, if you're thinking big, mm. what are the big goals that you have? You know, here in Serbia we are talking about that agriculture and tourism are, are our uh, great opportunities. And we are talking about that for, I don't know, 30 years. You know? <laughs> and nothing's going on, you know. And uh, I would like to see really that we use those uh, areas and we, we developed our country in those two areas. 
Why does an environmental organisation, or an organisation that wants to promote simple living, open a cafe? This is in the old town of Belgrade, in one of the prettiest parts of the city, it has to be said. What are you trying to do here? Basically, the idea was to launch a business which will uh, raise funds for our cost of, of, of running the organisation. And the desire part is obviously to create a little place where uh, you can have uh, um, a really good quality coffee, uh, tea, uh, tomato juice, freshly squeezed uh, uh, juices and smoothies. And what is interesting uh, with Supernatural Bar is that every single product in the bar has, um, you can trace it, it's, it's traceable to the, uh, to the name and surname of the person that produces it. Does Serbia have any advantages in terms of this philosophy of living simply but living well? Apart from being sort of underdeveloped in the economic sense, Serbia and and the whole Balkan region sort of got conserved uh, from this. And I think that we can use this opportunity of still sort of being clean and and to to get the technologies and new technologies to to get the economy going forward but uh, sustainably and, and, and in a more clean way. What is wonderful about Serbia and, and the Balkan region is that every single one of us still has a grandmother or grandfather living in the village. I think this connection uh, between us living in the urban areas and, and, and our grandparents living in the villages is really important. Uh, and this is something that Serbia has and this is something that it needs to preserve. That was Monocle's Guy Delaunay reporting from Belgrade. This is The World Ahead. Next up, we're taking things down to an altogether slower pace. Part of living simpler could well involve simply taking one's time. Carl Honoré is a man who knows a thing or two about this, being a leading advocate of the slow movement. Let's hear from him next. Well, I came to slowing down really through a personal epiphany. I think when we get stuck in fast forward, it often takes a shock to the system to make us realize that we're moving too fast and that that's doing real harm to us. And for a lot of people, that wake-up call comes in the form of an illness. But for me, it was when I started reading bedtime stories to my son and I found at the end of the day, I, I just couldn't slow down, so I'd be sitting on his bed, speed reading Snow White and skipping lines, paragraphs. I became an expert in what I call the multiple page turn technique, which, you know, <laughs> which <laughs> any parent out there will be wincing in recognition. And it never worked, of course, because my son knew the stories inside out, and he'd say, you know, Daddy, why are there only three dwarves in the story tonight, you know, Snow White, and what happened to Grumpy, and that this horrible state of affairs went on for some time until I caught myself flirting with buying a book I'd heard about called The One minute bedtime story. So Snow White and all those great tales boiled down into 60 second chunks. And, and I, I do actually remember thinking that is such a good idea. I need it right now from Amazon, right? Drone delivery. But then the second reaction came in like a light bulb over the head moment. And I just thought, you know, whoa, has it really come to this? Am I really in such a hurry? I'm prepared to fall off my son with a sound bite instead of a story at the end of the day. And that for me was the, the moment of truth. I realized that I was racing through my life instead of actually living it. And, and Carl, just give us a sense, I guess, from your perspective again, how much of a problem is it for people to even recognise that moment? You had this epiphany, but many don't. Why do you think that is? Is it because there's too much expectation? Or often is it that people think that they're adhering to what society expects? But actually, there's maybe people are more re- ready and willing to, to countenance different 
paces of life, different paces of work, actually? Well, I think there are various reasons. One is that we are just so stuck in fast forward, so marinated in this culture of speed that we're, it just, it just become a reflex for us now, even without asking the question, would it make sense to move more? Slow? We don't even ask that question. We just go fast, right? That's our default setting. And I think also something else has happened. Uh, the flip side of this faster is better roadrunner culture is we've created a deep and abiding taboo against the very idea of slowing down. That slow has become a four-letter word or a dirty word in our culture. It's a byword for lazy, stupid, unproductive, boring, roadkill, all the things nobody wants to be. And the result of that taboo is that even when we yearn to slow down, even when we can feel in our bones it would be good for us to put on the brakes, we don't do it because we feel guilty, we feel ashamed, we feel afraid, or we've just simply lost the habit. Uh, so, Carl, after this epiphany, then, when you became, uh, you know, a, a convert, if you like, and then subsequently something of an advocate for this movement, um, where did you look for inspiration? Was it a question of finding people or, or places or businesses that demonstrated that actually not only could life work at a slower pace, but it could be better? H- how did you manage to kind of uh, keep yourself on this this new road upon which you'd embarked? Well, for me, it was started off as a journalistic project because I'm a journalist and I wanted to write about not only my own, own addiction to speed, but I wanted to see that in a bigger context. So I s- started traveling around the world and, and very quickly uncovered the beginnings of this, this, this slow movement because in every walk of life, you know, I was finding people in, well, I'm sure many of your listeners have heard of the slow food movement, but that's really just the tip of a, of a very big iceberg. There are micro movements now for slowing down in Every field of human endeavor, you know, from slow cities to slow sex to slow exercise to slow leadership, slow art, slow travel, slow design, slow medicine, you know, you name it, people are using this lens of slow. And when we talk about slow with a capital S, we don't mean doing everything at a snail's pace very slowly. That would be absurd, right? That would be preposterous. I'm not an extremist or a fundamentalist of slowness. I love speed, right? Faster is often better. We all know that, but not always. And that's really the essence of this slow culture quake. It's the idea that you do things at the right speed. There are times to be fast, times to be slow. Slow is about quality over quantity. It's about doing things well instead of quickly. And, and as I say, when people take that slow lens and apply it to whatever it is they're doing, they find that they do that thing better, enjoy it more. And for me, the inspiration came from just discovering that contrary to what conventional wisdom tells us, which is if you slow down, you're a loser, that I was finding right away that people were slowing down, putting on the brakes and doing everything better. And it just it carried me through away from my own addiction to hurry into something much more healthy and then happy and, and balanced. Carl Honoré speaking to the world ahead. And we'll have more from Carl a little later in the programme. Michael Heiser is Chief Economist of Alliance Group, and as such, he's responsible for consulting the board on economic and trend developments that are important for Alliance's business environment. We asked Michael how important it is to retain a perspective on many of these big trends that is emotional, because many of these issues are, after all, emotional in nature. And reflecting on one's emotional states can be an important step in achieving the kind of balance, the kind of simple living that we've been discussing thus far. Here's what Michael Heiser had to say. I think it is very important to acknowledge emotional momentum in in your business decision making. I think uh, we need to do that more than we have in the past. 
the whole insurance business is something which is uh, not very emotional and uh, it does not uh, create a lot of empathy with the clients. It is something technical. It is something which covers risks in your life, which um, you, you don't really like to think about too much. So it's, uh, it's, it's difficult for the insurance industry to get some emotional momentum also into the services uh, that it provides, but it is very important to do so. And I think we have been making some strides in that direction. We do have a lot of products that help people in big despair. Just look at the uh, old age care or insurance when people really have uh, an illness and, and, and suffer an accident uh, somewhere where no one can help them. And, and these things are really, really are emotional, but the insurance industry, I think, uh, needs to work more on making this transparent and getting this feeling into the, the client and, and company relationship. I think that will be a trend of the future because, um, as we said, the social responsibility of private insurance will increase over time with the aging of the sizes for many, many reasons. Michael Heiser. Next up, we have more from our conversation with Carl Honoré, often known as the global guru of the slow movement. I think that there's a a perfect storm brewing at the moment. There's an intersection of many different movements, all of which are using slightly different language, but are arriving in the same place. So I come at it through the angle of slow and talking about pace and tempo, but other people arrive at the same place by talking about simplicity, right? The simplicity movement or simplifying things. Uh, You could talk about uh, when you look at businesses, uh, corporate responsibility, Uh, the environmental movement, I think, intersects here as well, thinking about nature at the long term, the bigger picture. Whatever language you use, I think people are arriving at a similar conclusion, which is that the way that we've been living in the last 20 years or so where it's all been about faster more is ultimately unsatisfying and really toxic i think not just for the planet but for the people living on it so increasingly you're finding that especially i think younger generations are are rallying around this idea that there are other ways to live there isn't only one path forward and you see it even now in the extraordinary you know, U.S. election landscape, which has got the board has just been thrown up in the air and all the pieces are floating around in the ether now with Donald Trump emerging, Bernie Sanders. These are the kind of candidates that would have been unthinkable, I think, even three or four years ago. People are yearning for something different. There's a tectonic shift going on, a seismic change happening out there. And different people hang different words on it, but I think it's all pointing in the same direction, which is to create a world where people are living better, they're living more fully, they're living as better versions of themselves. Uh, and Carl, let me just ask you, when when you look for people, because presumably it's still important to keep being uh, inspired, even if you're sort of a, you know, a convert to this, this way of thinking and this way of living, you need to find people who are continuing to, to push the boundaries and to show that there are other questions to be asked. Where do you look for inspiration? Do you find that you just happen upon interesting narratives or people who are inspiring? Or, or do you increasingly have to kind of travel and seek these things out very actively? No, I don't, actually. I think a lot, some of it comes through just serendipity, through the, the work I do and being a public figure and being on social media and so on. I just stumble across people doing interesting and remarkable things with slow and pace. Uh, but 
it's sometimes it's also I'm just putting myself out there, and, and I do find that the social media, you know, Facebook and Twitter, these are extraordinary resources for for uncovering people who are shaking things up and and and, and changing the way they live and, and the way other people see the world and interact with it around them. So I find I find social media is a very good place. I travel a lot as well, so wherever I go. I listen, I eavesdrop, I have conversations, I pick up a local newspaper, I, I just feel like I'm always open and listening and, and aware of what's happening. And it doesn't take much effort to uncover more and more inspiring figures in this slow culture quake because it is moving. It, certainly when I first began kicking around the idea of a slow movement, you know, 10 years ago now, it was very much a fringe phenomenon, whereas now it's thoroughly mainstream. And I think People know what slow means, and there are so many mini movements growing up within the big, broad church that is the slow movement. It's you know it's reached a kind of critical mass now, and that means that more and more people are off doing their own things. I don't feel like I need to keep the ball up in the air. So many people are picking up the baton and running with it. Uh, Carl, perhaps just finally, d- despite exactly what you've just described, this increasing uh, willingness to engage with these ideas and the vast numbers of people who are acting on their interests and their impulses to, 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 to make positive changes to their, their lives, I guess there's still a very big demographic, wherever in the world they might be, who say, well, these are some big questions and it's still a little intimidating. I'm not quite sure that I'm ready to, 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 to really grasp the nettle. What would you say to people is the sort of the, the easiest step? If people just need to dip their toe into the water of changing their attitudes, what's the easiest way? I, mean, I don't know if that's a question you're often asked. Is there a, presumably there's no shortcuts, but there must be things that could help people to, to help to convince people, I guess. I think a simple way to think of this is that you don't want to, tr- to, to try and slow down fast, right? And I think this is one of the ironies of today is that we're all in such a hurry that we even want to slow down quickly. And that doesn't really work for most of us. I think you need to move forward with baby steps and just make small changes to begin with, especially if you're feeling overwhelmed and daunted and afraid that it's just too much to to take on and to grasp that nettle you talked about. So I would recommend just doing, making small shifts in your daily life. You know, it could be as simple as looking at what you're doing in the next week and picking two or three activities and just dropping them, you know, the least important, the least essential to create some space and open up some oxygen in your timetable so that you can move through the other things with less haste and less rush and less distraction. I, I think another example is rethinking our use of technology. You know, all those gadgets, they're wonderful. I'm not a Luddite. I have them all. But all of those gadgets, the phones and the tablets, they all have a little red button that means off. And, you know, I think it's a useful first step just to start using that button from time to time to ring fence off moments in the day when you're not on the grid, you're not distracted by other people's Instagram feeds or your status updates on Facebook. You just are able to be in the moment more easily. And then maybe another tip might be to incorporate some slow ritual into your daily life. And that'll vary from person to person. It could be yoga, it might be gardening or reading poetry or sketching or just something that inoculates you or vaccinates you against the virus of hurry and acts as a break on you. And I think just by starting to build up with those little small blocks of slowness, you can get to a good place in the longer run. And, and remember the advice from Mae West, who famously said once, anything worth doing is worth doing slowly. Carl Honoré.
And a last word in this edition of The World Ahead to Monocle's good friend Ian Bremer, the president and founder of Eurasia Group, the leading global political risk research and consulting firm who's an expert in the long-term risk horizon. Ian shares a personal view on the enduring value of keeping things simple. Someone asked me the other day if I had a choice of living, being born anywhere in the world right now, what I would choose. And I couldn't come up with any with one answer. I came up with three. And I'll repeat them for you because I think it reflects, you know, kind of the question you're getting at. Well, I said, of course, well, the United States, because, I mean, look at what I've built coming from the projects here. And, and this is still the country where if you have an idea, whether you're white or black or yellow or brown, uh, whether you're, you know, sort of uh, gay or straight, America is the place where you're most likely to be able to actually, you know, sort of make the most of your, of, of, of your skills. Then I said, Iran. And I said, Iran, because here's a country which is just now going to start to take off. They're in the worst situation and position now. They've got 7 million, 70 million people. They're going to be globalizing. It's a dynamic population that's very young with a sclerotic government. And if you were born now in Iran in 20 and 30 years' time, you'd have a fantastic trajectory, and so would your nation, so would your people. How exciting. But then the third place I mentioned was Bhutan, because at the end of the day, those are happy people, and it's not just the index. I've been there. I've walked around. The king, when he became king, he took a year first to walk around the entire country, have a listening tour. He met with over a third of his entire population individually, which you can do if you only have like 50 people in your country. But still, it was astonishing to see that this is a country that doesn't need to be globalized. It's a country that actually you know, recognizes that community matters, that sights and smells and sounds matter, that breathing matters. And we forget to breathe frequently, those of us uh, in these big megaopolises with so many important things to do. I mean, if, if I have to read another lean-in book that tells me, you know, how extraordinary, how extraordinarily complicated and difficult these challenges are, and you can't do absolutely everything, I'm like, you know what? No, those aren't problems. <laughs> you need to just back off a little bit, and all of us need to breathe a little more. Breathe is more important than lean-in from my perspective. That's Ian Bremer, and that is what we have time for on this edition of The World Ahead with Allianz. Next time, more pearls of wisdom from our global experts on everything from demographic shifts to climate change and how to deal successfully with some of the most complex problems of our times. So tune in again to The World Ahead. Listen again and find out more in the meantime at monocle.com forward slash radio or catch up via iTunes or all good platforms. The World Ahead with Allianz on Monocle24. Thank you.